Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Permission to exist sexually is something I've craved since I was a teenager. Whether you're queer or not, sometimes it's really hard to learn how to exist with kindness and compassion for yourself, and without that, it can be hard to give that to others. Today, we're going to be talking with Court Box about how we as a society give or deny permission for sexual exploration and pleasure. Interestingly, this often seems to hinge around trauma because of our cultural narratives around where sexual pleasure is permissible. If you want to follow Court Box on Instagram, he's at CourtVox, or you can reach out to thebodyvox.com. Similarly, I'm at IntimateVictor, or you can reach out to me at Victor at VictorSalmon.com. Now, let's go to court, exploring how we permit sexual pleasure to those recovering from trauma, but seem to deny it if it's just pleasure for pleasure's sake. And of course, as always, enjoy. Let's start the session on trauma as a catalyst for sexual exploration. I'll intro you first as somatic sex educator and intimacy consultant, Court Fox. I'm currently a member of the World Association of Sex Coaches. It's nice to have you with us today, Court. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning. Good morning. Where, um, where are you in the world? I'm in I'm, West Hollywood. I'm in Vancouver. Oh, nice. Yeah. There's so many beautiful humans living in Vancouver. Yeah, it's a great city for sure. So what are we talking about today? Um, I'm interested in what drew you to the subject of trauma as a catalyst for sexual exploration. Yeah. You know, I think um, just in the community that I work in, um, which is somatics and tantra and BDSM, um, I think a lot of times the community tends to um, uplift people that are coming from traditional backgrounds that have um, degrees in psychotherapy and um, who might be medical doctors or, or even have a, um, a doctorate um, mm-hmm. in studies. And um, we tend to put them at the forefront of things um, with very little regard for people who have like real body experience, true body experience. Um, And I think that goes along with what we were just talking about, which is, um, you know, to explore sexual pleasure and to explore sexuality just in general and eroticism, specifically within Western culture, is really shameful um, for the most Mm -hmm. part. And so when you put this lens of healing and um, uh, trauma on top of it, it somehow makes it uh, a little bit more easy to digest, um, a little easier to tell your mom or your friends. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm, I'm doing this to heal wounds, which I think can be true. But what I also think is true and what's really rooted in my practice is the pursuit of pleasure always. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, there's tons of, of people, including psychotherapists, and I think that work is really valuable, that really um, go into like dissecting trauma and dissecting what happened and, and you know, um, talking about how to heal from that from like a very um, heady space and through talk therapy. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times by the time people get to me, they've done a lot of that work. And so... Uh, you know, to talk about it over and over again, just kind of keeps rerouting it in the body, um, into the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when you pursue pleasure, when you um, pursue pleasure through exploration and curiosity, your traumas, your triggers will come up on their own. You do not have to seek them out. And so it's kind of this, um, this philosophy of let's pursue pleasure, because why not? It's more fun, it's more pleasurable, um, and you know when your triggers come up, when your uh, emotions, when your memories of traumatic experiences, or when feelings of trauma um, are kind of identified in your body, then we can talk about them and actually mm -hmm. find ways to move through them and um, respect them. Right, so much more of a sort of um, somaticized in your body, um, what's alive in you right now kind of approach. Right. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so tell me more about pleasure getting the sensor, the second piece of that. Yeah. That's actually a really big topic right now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, what's happening in the world with pornography and with prostitution and um, cam models and really just sex workers in general, um, there's, a, there's a great deal of um, payment platforms that are completely not accepting payments for um, sexual activities, whether that's cam modeling or um, OnlyFans. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've heard about OnlyFans. Yes. The thing that that's not getting mentioned very much about OnlyFans is that they're doing this because of of Mastercard, um, and Mastercard has, you know, created a whole bunch of new rules and regulations in order to use their services, and um, OnlyFans just doesn't want to do it because it's really kind of aggressive what they're asking them to do. Um, but I can say firsthand, you know. There's other sites like Square, which used to be my payment processing payment processing um, system. Mm -hmm. And just one day, they sent me an email saying, um, "Thanks so much for your business. Bye. We will right. be supporting you because we feel like um, your business is risky. No question right. asked. No nothing. No email to debate it. It was just goodbye. And so." Um, when we talk about the pursuit of pleasure and you have all these corporate institutions really um, sending a very big message of this is not welcome here. In mm -hmm. fact, um, money, your money is not even welcome here. We don't want your money. We, want, we don't want to help you make money. We will make it difficult for you to survive, actually. Mm -hmm. And so when you can actually trace economics of something, you can kind of trace really what's going on. Um, you know, Instagram and Facebook did the same thing um, last year, which was scary for a lot of people. I know I have been shadow banned many times. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just kind of 
silencing voices of people who are um, promoting pleasure, you know, and even though my work, I consider my work to be an educator um, and a teacher and a guide for sexuality and for the erotic, um, I also consider myself a sex worker. I don't mm -hmm. think I'm any better than any of those people that are working in that business um, because then it starts to create this hierarchy. And really, in order for me to succeed, those people also need to be able to succeed because in the eyes of the law, in the eyes of our community and our culture, I am no different than those people. And I don't consider myself to be. Well, it's, it's interesting because you keep saying those people. <laughs> well, yes, and I am one of those people. Right, okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarification. No worries. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting how you're talking about censorship of pleasure, and then you're also, in the same breath, talking about just censorship of any conversation about sex, it seems. Yeah, I mean, in order to actually write the word sex on Instagram, I have to write S number three X. And if I want to write the word porn, I have to write P-0-R-N. So, you know, there's human bodies that are, are policing these sites, and there's also algorithms that are um, policing these sites. And so any, it doesn't even matter what you're talking about, whether it's growth or um, exploration, which is in the case of my work, um, it doesn't decipher what I'm talking about from somebody who's talking about, um, let's say, a more salacious act of, of sex. Sure. Um, um, that gets tricky, right? There's no, it goes to, I don't know if you've, you've watched that movie, um, I think it's called Coded Bias. I have not. You should definitely watch that. <laughs> okay. It's frightening. Um, it talks about how computers have become really smart. And they've learned everything they know from us. And they're racist, misogynist, homophobic. And without kind of some um, retooling from us as humans, um, they will continue to learn the most vile and disgusting things from us. Yeah, I believe that 100%. Um, I think I got off on a tangent. <laughs> that's that's okay. Um, we were talking about um, the censorship of sexual pleasure in society, and yeah. I'm interested to explore that as distinct from just the censorship of sex, which is like when I think about you know OnlyFans, I think about you know payment processors denying any sort of thing that could possibly resemble sex work, and I'm curious. Um, if you want to speak a little more on the ways we deny ourselves pleasure and sort of the way our society um, denies us almost the idea of pleasure and sexual pleasure specifically. So in terms of society um, and, and personal pleasure, I think starting in the 70s, there was a huge movement around love and peace, right? And the messaging was love yourself mm -hmm. and love everybody. And then what's really rooted in the DNA and the fabric of our culture and American culture and Western civilization is love yourself, but not too much. <laughs> right? Pursue, sure. pursue pleasure, but not too much. Don't be greedy. And remember to be humble. Humility is important, right? 
if you think too, too highly of yourself, if you love yourself too much, then you're an asshole, right? Actually, I just um, contributed to a piece around autosexuality, which is um, different than narcissism in that autosexuality is like that person's desire is really rooted in their love for themselves, where a narcissist really looks for the validation and love and appreciation from outside themselves, um, along with a lot of other characteristics. But going back to what I was saying, it's this kind of like push-pull, right? Um, there's a book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagowski, and she talks a lot about... Um, uh, accelerators and brakes and that's like the top line she really breaks it down to discuss how that really um, manifests in the body and in the nervous system and it's kind of like that in our culture it like manifest manifests in our culture in these brakes and accelerations and the truth is you can't fully accelerate if you're always have your foot on the brake, right? right? No matter how hard you push, you're going to get a ton of resistance. And I feel like we're in that space right now where um, information is, at, you know, the access to information is at, a, at an ultimate high with the internet and Instagram and, and Facebook and all the other platforms that allow people to disseminate information that is not traditional media. Um, mm -hmm. And you have a lot of people who are really interested in this, right? It's, I, I'd love to say it's a movement, and I think it's been happening for a long time. It just hasn't had a voice. And so mm -hmm. there is a movement around pursuing pleasure, um, pursuing sexuality, embracing eroticism, embracing your erotic body, you know, loving your body, which is like, again... <laughs> Loving your body, and let me back up a minute. So when we talk about advertising, you know, mm -hmm. sexuality is pushed in our face every single day. And it's done to sell products, to sell sunscreen, to sell bathing suits, to sell... Um, sure, beer. Beer, everything. Sexuality is the number one go-to to sell products. And yet, when going back to OnlyFans, when someone says, this is my body and I am going to make money off of my own body. I have autonomy. I have enough autonomy over my body where I am going to make money from it. The culture says, no, that's disgusting. Again, it's that acceleration and the brakes, right? So we go, oh, wow, I'm actually in a place where I have body autonomy, I can accept my body and find uh, a, a means of survival and supporting myself with my body. And then the government, corporations, and everybody around says, nope, that's not allowed. Right. We, we will make it challenging and difficult for you to own your own body. But you're welcome to go back to doing studio work. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're welcome to model for Corona. And you're welcome to be a, a, one of those girls that's in, in the ring at the boxing matches. Sure. You know, you're welcome to work for us. But Absolutely. Work, but not for yourself. Your body is not yours. That is the message. 
it's it's so interesting to me that you can sell video of yourself selling your body for money, but you can't sell your body for money if you don't record it and let others watch. Yes. <laughs> Very interesting. I've like never understood that that dynamic um, in Western culture where for some reason an illegal act once you turn on a camera, well that's permissible. <laughs> Yes, America is a, a very tricky, tricky country. I, mm-hmm. I you know I was I was just overseas, and one of the countries I was in was Germany, and um, porn sites are actually blocked. Um, and it's not because of the porn; it's actually because of the copyright infringement. So you can watch porn all you want, but you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know. It's and that should be fair. <laughs> That's yeah. fair. These people are working hard. Totally. Right? And you know, sex work is work. And when I say yeah. sex work, it's a really big umbrella. I'm also including sex therapists who are just mm-hmm. talk therapists. I really include those people in this bracket. Um, they should be no different and considered no different than um, a street whore, in my opinion. Sure, at, at least as much as, as any kind of status or respect goes, like sex people doing sex work or doing real work for sure, regardless of the type of sex work, yeah. Well, sex work is real work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I think we agree on that. Yes, I think so too. <laughs> um, do you have any closing comments on um, the whole pleasure getting the censor um, in regards to the the way that trauma as a catalyst for exploration doesn't get a censor? I don't know. I think, you know, when we... It kind of goes back to just our society in general, Western culture of um, fix it when it's broken, right? Mm-hmm. And that goes with our medical system, right? It goes with our education system. It's like we are pushing out the same criteria and agenda for everyone in this Mm -hmm. really blanket way. And then when it doesn't work for somebody and, you know, in the education system, that system fails someone who has a learning disability or um, a physical disability, um, whether it's visible or invisible, Mm -hmm. Um, we go, oh, now we got to fix this. Right. You know, and same thing with the medical um, institution is it's not a a proactive approach to health and wellness. Um, And I think it's like that with sexuality too. It's like instead of supporting people with really beautiful, sex-positive sex education from the time they're young... Mm-hmm. And going through puberty when they really need it, sure. you know, we we shame people from the get-go, right? Mm-hmm. The, the education that we're giving uh, kids around sex is really shame-based and really yeah. fear-based. Like, don't do it or you're going to get pregnant. You're going to get an STI. You're going to uh, contract HIV. You're going right. to somehow get something and die. <laughs> and so... Right. Sex immediately becomes equated with shame and death and illness. 
There's yeah. no there's no discussion around pleasure. And so somehow that has become acceptable. It's become acceptable to discuss sex as um as something that is preventable. Right. Well, thank you so much for having that conversation with me. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash intimatevictor. You can tweet me at intimatevictor. You can follow me on Instagram at intimatevictor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well.